Hey guys, before we get into the podcast, be sure to check out our Discord and YouTube channel. You can also email us suggestions at the Feminist Critique Podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter. My handle is at South of Grace. And mine is at Ashleen's with an S. That's A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. You can also follow us on Twitter, the Feminist Critique Podcast. And those updates are at Feminist Pod. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord Adeline, is with not thee. Not again. Not again. Not blessed again. art thou no. amongst women, and blessed are the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy oh. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. God damn it. <laughs> I told you no. <laughs> let me no. say my let me say my Catholic prayers. Uh <laughs> Um, just, uh, even though it's going to be in the description and in the title bar, we are going to start off first and foremost with letting you guys know that there is going to be discussion about, uh, um, sexual assault and rape. And, uh, we just want you guys to be aware of that before you start listening. Um, it's fun podcast and we're gonna, we're gonna laugh and we're gonna try and get through it, but we're just letting you guys know that if... Uh, trauma like that triggers you or makes you feel uncomfortable, feel free to skip because um, it's going to be talked about throughout the majority of this movie because of what this movie is about. So just a little PSA before we even get started. We're not going to be making fun about rape either. Okay? No, 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 no. We're not mocking. Like, no. We're not going to be mocking rape. We're going to be mocking the people who, you know, do Need horrible things. Fucking movie. Yeah. This. Um, <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Christian Movie Month. Uh, This is week two. And today... We're the feminist critique, by the way. We're a podcast where we put movies to tests and see if they're good. That stuff. Yeah. And today (laughs) we are taking a look at a movie that came out in 2010 called Loving the Bad Man. Now, when you hear this title... And you know what it's about. I'm going to be honest. My immediate thought about this movie was that it was going to be out of, about a woman who falls in love with her uh, assaulter, with her rapist. And it was a Christian movie, and I didn't know where it was going to go with it. And I was horrified, but also I knew that it's probably something we need to address because of things like purity culture, which is a huge issue in evangelical communities. And we're going to be talking about that today. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not exactly what I was expecting. It's still bad. Um, there's definitely a bad message, but thankfully, yeah. it's not about her falling in love with the guy that raped her. So thank fucking God. Whew. Like, Ashley and I did not want to watch this movie, but we also no. knew that it was very important to probably watch it because of the message it's trying to convey. So we're just glad that that was not the message. Yeah. So, disclaimer at the beginning. This is not about a woman who falls in love with her rapist in a romantic fashion. And this might be all over the page because this movie doesn't have a Wikipedia page. And usually I go with that to, like, you know, follow along. So, Gracie's here got we the are. Notes. Gracie's got the notes. Ashleen does not have the notes. So, um, so this uh, movie came out in 2010. There's no critical score on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 59% score with the audience. It was directed by Peter Engert, who's done a lot of documentary work. Um, it was written by Giovanni Igneri, who's worked with Peter Engert, and also written by Wes Halula. Halula. Um, who basically his writing includes Veggie Tales, <laughs> and if you grew up like I did, Veggie Tales were a very important part of your evangelical childhood. You had Larry the Cucumber, I think, and a tomato, but I don't remember the tomato's name. But I'm pretty sure the cucumber's name was Larry, and they did like Jonah and the Whale Tale and. Uh, the three men that get thrown into the fire in uh, Shadrach, 
Misach and Abinego, Abinego, something like that. Yeah, but they do. They they made um, genocidal movies from the Bible uh, palatable for children. It's fantastic. Uh, so cast is very small. Um, not a lot of big names. Uh, nope. <laughs> Cree Kelly plays Julie. The only other thing she's been in really is something called Salvation Boulevard, which I've never seen. Um, Arturo Rossi plays Mike Connor. He's been in Burnland, uh, Graceland and Burn Notice. I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him until I looked up where he was in. Uh, the most prominent person in this movie probably that I knew was Anthony Carone, who plays, um, Julie's dad, Ed. Um, he's been in Bad Boys 2, I Love You, Philip Morris, and he's been in We Own the Night. Um, he's always played side characters, but I had seen his face before. Um, and then we have Stephen Baldwin, who is top build. This movie is actually called Loving the Bad Man with Stephen Baldwin. Like, that's on the cover. I thought, like, that I thought Stephen Baldwin was the bad man in this movie. Yeah, like, like he's even, a, he's the picture on the fucking cover. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I thought that this was a horrifying movie where Stephen Baldwin was the rapist, and she falls in love with him. Like, that's what this movie makes me think when I see the fucking cover. So I was like, what? What is going on here? Yeah, um... He plays a character called McQuaid, who is in the movie maybe a grand total of 15, 20 minutes. Um, I have I have many things to, to say about this god-awful movie, but like... We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, he's best known for being in Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. Uh, and he was in The Usual Suspects. Lesser known brother to Alec Baldwin, who is the most famous of the Baldwins. But he is well known... Well, his daughter is. His daughter is Haley Baldwin, uh, who is most notable for being a model and kind of being on TV. But of course, she is married to Justin Bieber. Yeah, they just got married in South Carolina, too. Like, they'd already been married, but they had a more formal ceremony uh, and in that was South yesterday. Carolina. Um, so, and a- as of recording, weird. it's a week ago. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How about that? That's it. That's as far as the cast. Now, the movie opens with a lot of sky and a lot of grass. Like, the opening credits are super fucking basic, and they take five minutes. Oh, God. I know. Um, yeah, so that happens, and then it shows... It starts off this movie where there's a guy who's installing, like, sprinklers or some shit in the front yard. And then uh, his daughter comes out and she's like, Dad, breakfast is ready. And he's like, oh, you got to see my masterpiece, right? So he, like, turns on the sprinklers and then, like, it shoots mud all over, like, a truck. Because that's supposed to be funny. Yep. Yeah. And she I just pats him on the shoulder and walks back inside. There's one thing I have to say about this movie. Every meal, there's way too much food for four people. Oh my god, this I know. This breakfast is extra as fuck. <laughs> this breakfast is so You got fucking big. You got eggs, you got pancakes, you got a big old bowl of fruit, you got milk, you got orange juice, you got sausage. It's just like piled th- everywhere. Like, this is bigger than, you know, when you saw on on TV during the 90s where it was like, part of a wholesome breakfast. Where it was like, who the fuck eats all this for breakfast every morning? <laughs> oh like, God. I'm... I know what commercials you're talking about. Well, that was a, like a cereal commercials were like part of a well-balanced breakfast and it's or like whatever. Breakfast as well as a glass of orange juice and an apple and an or some apple shit. And, and like a bunch of other shit. And it was like, I, I'm, I'm lucky if I get two scoops of the fucking cereal into my face as I'm running out the door. Like, that's breakfast these days. 
we us millennials are killing the cereal industry cereal is sugar yeah um but anyways yeah no Uh, my theory about this movie is that this was actually the crew's like food and it was catered and they were like hey why don't we just use this in the scene to like make the table like look a little bit you know more full yeah but they go too far. <laughs> yeah, and, and way too when far. When Ashlyn said that, I was like, yes, that has to be it. It is the only plausible explanation for why every time they sit down for a meal, there's way too much food on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing is, like, we can't even talk about the plot because we have to talk about whoever was in charge of the fucking camera. Oh Weird zoom. People are zooming in on a face so close you can see like their pores. And not just that, the fucking camera was so shaky. goddamn shaky. Like I, I was expecting you know like a normal movie, not fucking Cloverfield. <laughs> Honestly, I was telling Ashley, and I was like, did they film this on an iPhone? Because there's no stability in that camera. No, at all. like, like. Buy a fucking tripod, like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, no, it was, like, really, really bad. And then it was always zoomed in so you could see everybody's, like, sweat glands (laughs) and fucking pores. And it was like, I do not need to see these up-closing personal shots of everybody. You know what it reminded me of when you said that? That Casey Ayonzo video where she was talking about the Scott Brothers. She's like, I don't need to see that. That's too close. Like, but it, it was really like close enough that you could see their fucking nostril hair. Right? Yeah, yeah. So. Like it was the way this movie is shot is like so. I hate to say amateur because we're not like real. We didn't go to film school, but no. out of the movies we have watched, honestly, the poorest cinematography, and that is yeah. saying something. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So she's having this fight with her dad at the breakfast table because her brother mentions that she wants to go on this mission trip to help these underprivileged kids who have been in and out of juvie. And her dad's like, that's so dumb. And you can't do that. Like, I'm going to call my friend to make sure that, you know, you're taken care of. And she's like, well, dad, no, I'm like, you know, it's going to be, you know, when I knock off work and it'll still be daylight outside. Anyway, I have to go. And she's running out the door and he's like, wait, what about your breakfast? And then she says something to the effect of, I'm 23, dad. I can take care of myself. And I snorted because I was like, oh, she's 23. I thought she was 18. Well, yeah, because she looks like she looks like she's 18. Like she looks so young the way she dresses and like. I don't know, she just, like, yeah, she looks like a good Christian girl, but, like... At the same time, 23 seems too old. Like, I don't even think her actress was 23 when this movie was made. She might have been. I don't know, there's no fucking way. But anyways, so yeah, she goes off, and then she's at work, Yeah, she works at a grocery store, and Mm -hmm. one of the... Fat Mitch McConnell is her manager because he does look like Mitch McConnell, but 200 pounds heavier. <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> it's no. the truth. Um, there's, a, and there's a lot of people in this movie that look like people, so... Ashley's got one coming up that you're going to fucking crack at. Um, yeah. But anyway, he's getting on to this kid and he's going to try and turn this kid in for stealing Pop-Tarts. But the funny thing is, is they zoom in so close on the kid holding the Pop-Tarts that you realize they're not Pop-Tarts. They're They're Prop-Tarts. Prop-Tarts. Yep. Most of the time when you get prop stuff like that, it's supposed to be in the background far enough away that it looks like it, but you can't tell. Mm -hmm. But they're like, here, let's put it in the foreground so everyone can see it. (laughs) And they even call it, like, Pop-Tarts, not Prop-Tarts. Right? So, yeah, he's trying to steal those or whatever, right? But, like, she's just like, oh, no, uh, I was planning on buying them for him. And he was like, oh, you know, you shouldn't get this kid, uh, this little fucker. It's like, (laughs) little piece of shit. Like, what the fuck? You know, I know you're, like, a Christian and shit, but, like, you know, you don't have to be good to everybody. 
But she's like, no, okay, like, I'll help him. And then she, like, gives him a stern talking to. And then she's like, but you have to come to church with me because I helped you out during this thing. I mean, you could be rotting in jail. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, it was some, like, blackmail. Like, oh, I helped you. So now you have to help me by coming to church. And it's like, fuck, I'd rather just go to jail. (laughs) Like, honestly. Kids hate church. Like, I'm going to level with you. If you take your children to church, they hate the original, like, they hate the sermon part. It's so Mm -hmm. boring. They don't understand what the preacher's talking about. They have to sit still for an hour and listen to the guy drone. They don't like it. (laughs) Um, Yep. So she... she, I will say the one thing about... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. You're fine. The the one thing my parents did do right was the fact that they never brought us to church because they knew that church is hella boring. Okay? Nobody likes church. No. No. Um... (laughs) So, uh, she's in the break room, and, like, there's this guy there, his name's Cole, who, he's coleslaw. Like, he's just the whitest fucking thing. Like, I know last week when we talked about Paul, like, Cole is, Cole is worse. Oh, Cole is even more milk toast than fucking Paul ever was. Like, he is extra milk toast. And then, like, okay, so. He looks he- like he's an extra in High School Musical. Oh my god, you're right. And then he, like, uh, then he puts, like, a burrito that, like, wrapped in tinfoil into this microwave that looks like it's a hunt. Like, that microwave looked like it was from the 1970s. It's so fucking old. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, it, it, it looked like it was, like, from the 80s, like, where you, like, turn the dial and it, like, click, 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 click while it's microwaving the food. But anyways, so then... He ha- he puts this tinfoil burrito or something into the microwave, and then it starts, like, you know, doing the electric thing. But they had, like, digitally put in the electric stuff, mm-hmm. and you could tell. Yeah, it was right? bad special effects. And then he, like, pulls it out, and then he's, like, playing fucking hot potato with it. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, and a- after this exchange, well... What we've, we actually uh, are introduced to Mike earlier on, and Mike is getting yelled at by his boss. He's a mechanic. He's having a rough day. The parts store was late, but his boss doesn't give a shit. So, you know. And then his boss is, like, accusing him of stealing tools or something. And his, like, boss is so in his face, but then they have these close-ups of his boss where, like, there's legit spit coming out of this guy's, like, mouth. And the sweat. And it's, like, and the sweat. Like, he's just sweaty, and there's spit all over the place, and I'm like, I'm surprised that there wasn't a little spittle on the camera. (laughs) It's too close. That's that's what we're trying to say here, people. Too Um, damn close. Too damn close. So, anyway, um, and then it cuts later on to when uh, he goes into the boss's office. The boss is with uh, this um, customer and this customer's child. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, my mechanic's being an asshole, but it'll be done soon. And then uh, Mike goes in and he's like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And then he, after his boss comes out of the office, he beats the ever-loving shit out of the dude and then he comes back and he hands the keys to the guy waiting in the in the room. But the best part of this scene is when the little girl very poorly says her line, what's going on out there? And he, yep. the dad goes, fixing daddy's car. And you're like, no, <laughs> he's beating the fucking shit out of him. But like, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he like hands the keys over and you're like I guess Mike's a real bad dude. Yeah, I mean, he's having a bad day at work and now he's lost his job. Won't someone think of how Mike is feeling? Yep. So, so then- he goes to the bar to get drunk and Julie is heading home after work and her tire goes flat right outside of the bar. And then, like, the bar is, like, the skeeziest-looking bar ever, right? But, like, they have these two women that... And there's... 
there's all these fucking close-up shots of like you know basically mike's getting drunk right Mm -hmm. so like it'll flash from like different you know scenes of like this bar and then there's these two women who are essentially like supposed to be bar floozies i guess and like they i I would say they're like they're the 40 they're in their 40s or something but they're dressed like prostitutes it's like it's, it's awful but yeah. you know, Julie goes to the payphone and she calls the wrecker uh, to come and change her tire or whatever. And then she goes into the bar to ask for some help. And when she walks in, there's a dude that's laying on the pool table. And all I like, I paused it and I said, Ashley, and I think he's dead. Like, <laughs> he's just laying on the pool table. Like, if this movie wasn't, if the, what this movie was about wasn't so bad, like, I feel like this was, it it was like a a seedy bar, but like, it was comically seedy, almost. Yeah, like, it was extra, which I think is the, is the word I'm going to associate with this movie a lot, is how extra it is in different ways. Yeah. So, anyway, she goes to the bar guy, and the bar guy's like, oh, well, you know, Mike, here's a mechanic. You don't have to be a mechanic to change a tire. No. But 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 he's a mechanic, and she's like, hey, um, I heard you're a mechanic. Can you, like, help me? And he's just, like, he's drunk, and he's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so they go out to her car. And she's trying to be nice to him. Like, he fixes her car, you know, he gets the piece of tire out from her well and everything. And then she's like, oh, well, here, you know, thanks for helping me. She, like, tries to hand him a little bit of money. And this is what triggers him to assault her. Okay. Like, he's... I... Yeah. So, like, I have many things to say about this scene. And the fact that they made it weirdly artsy, where it kept, like, flashing and, like, like, there was, like, fast shots of, like, her running and him, like, grabbing her. And then, like, it just kind of, like, repeated that a lot. And it was, like, in black and white. And I was just, like... Like, we get it. Did you go to fucking art school or, like, film school or something? But, like, this is not the time to do this with this scene. Like, yeah, that's you don't the fucking exact arts same, up the... F- that's the like, exact the- same criticism that Hugo and Jake had um, on their video about this. Because that is how I yeah. learned about this movie. It was about a year ago they did... Well, not even a year ago. I think January they did a video on it. And this is when I told Agilene we had to put it on the roster. Because I wanted to watch the movie that they were talking about. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is, is like, okay, when there is a sexual assault in a movie, it usually goes one of two ways. Either it is super graphic to the point of pornography, or it's a focus in on the victim's face or to a random object while the rest of the scene fades away and you can just hear the noises. It's typically how it goes. Yeah. And both are trying to create a visceral reaction. In one, you're supposed to be horrified by the graphic violence of what's going on. And in the other, you're supposed to empathize with the poor woman or man who is being assaulted. In Mm -hmm. this, you don't get that personal punch. It's not graphic enough to leave a visceral reaction. And there's no focus on the victim. So it just comes off as really distasteful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, very distasteful, right? Um, like, I'm not saying I appreciate graphic rape scenes. I really wish they wouldn't no. do them at all. It would have been better if he had just grabbed her and it faded to black and it was implied. That would have been yeah. much better. Um, and but like of this weird shit that they did. Yeah, it it was like it's like a fucking weird art school. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, this isn't fucking Citizen Kane. Like, that's just... Like, that's how I felt like he was trying to do with this fucking movie. And it was like, no, that's not what you fucking do with this scene. Like, it's 
God, so garbage. Yeah, and Anyways. then afterwards, when she's getting the rape kit and stuff done, like, oh they've got some Reliant God. K-pop punk Christian shit playing in the background, which is not at all the mood you want. No. It, w- it was so off. It was the wrong choice of music. For what oh. she was having to go through. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, because they go through, like... And, and I mean, I will say, like... That scene was, like... I think more graphic than... Uh, like, I'm happy that there wasn't a graphic rape scene. But, like, the rape kit scene was, like... Weirdly more graphic and, like, made me very uneasy... And yeah, like because you see close-ups of her bruises and blood yeah. and stuff. Like, that grossed me out more than anything in this entire movie where I was like, bitch, no. Like, what are you doing? Like, that is a horrifying... I don't know. Also, I have, like, a weird thing where I don't like hospitals, so... <laughs> I mean, I think it's granted, <laughs> all things considered. Um, Anyways, so long story short fucking hated this yeah uh so after this you know she goes home they catch the guy mike he is immediately put in this prison cell with this motherfucker i don't know what the hell this dude is like <laughs> ashley what did you call him um nazi brandon fraser he does look like a Nazi Brendan Fraser, though. Like, think, like, think late 90s, early 2000s Brendan Fraser. Yeah. But like, with no hair. Like, b- blast from the past Brendan Fraser. With right? a shaved like, head. With a shaved head and no... Like, I mean, I guess he had no facial hair at the time. But yeah, like, shaved head. And he, like... And then his eye, like, they were the guy bugging was the acting, fuck out of his head. Oh, yeah. Like, out of his head. Like, I get it that he was, like, trying to play, like, fucking crazy fuck, but he essentially was, like, Nazi Brendan Fraser. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. But, like, I, I said that to Gracie. I'm like, he looks like Brendan Fraser, but, like, a Nazi. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you're right. Um, so yeah, Mike is like, I didn't do anything. I don't know no Julie, whatever her last name is. I didn't do it. No, 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 no. Um, and then after this, we have the most awkward scene in the whole fucking movie. And that is when her mom comes in, like, they're having a barbecue or some shit. And her mom comes in from outside and she goes, that was the doctor. You're pregnant. And, like, everybody is like, dude, you gotta eat us that fetus. Like, we gotta get rid of this. <laughs> Gracie! What? You didn't like that? <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew that was a good joke. I was like, I wrote it down in my notes while we were watching the movie, and I was like, I am going to say this to her, and she will have no idea it's coming. What? The fuck? uncomfortably long but oh my god if you hadn't have started laughing I would have been able to finish my point okay go (laughs) okay 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 um so yeah um but she doesn't want to do that (laughs) she she doesn't she doesn't want to eat his that penis no because that's murder. Oh my god! Well, like, yeah, her whole family, uh, including her DJ brother, he's the biggest which, DJ in Orlando. Which is not saying much, because like important. Orlando. I mean, this movie came out. This movie came out during like, <laughs> like let's just say it was you know two thousand and eight. Right? <laughs> so, are you saying that he knew Casey Anthony? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Also, I am so sorry. 
stop laughing. This I mean, Casey <laughs> Anthony tried to eat us her fetus, but it was too late. Uh, also, credit for that joke goes to actual Jake on Twitch. Because the first time he said those words, I knew I was going to have to use them eventually. Okay, well. And I well. finally got the opportunity. So thank you. Um... Okay, um, I'm so, so yeah, sorry she, about my just about my joke that I just made. Uh, you're fine. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> let's get back to it. So yeah, she's they're like, no, you have to abort this baby, and she's like, no, that's murder. I can't abort this baby, and it's like, it's no, a girl, baby. like, no, it's, it's not, a baby, not and it's like, no, it's a cluster of cells. Like, it's okay. take a fucking pill and like then you don't have to you can you can go on with your life like it's okay yeah but i mean but uh, but she starts screaming and she's like what because i don't want to abort the rape baby yeah because julie's got a rape baby and you're like girl and then while she's doing this like cole pops up fucking cole and, and he's he, like, I hear you have a rape baby. No, no, no. He's like, hey, how you doing? And then they all sit back down at the table and then try to eat. And then she's like, yeah, whatever. Like, she's obviously very upset with her family because her family is like, yeah, get an abortion. Which it's completely up to her if she has one or not. Like, that's mm-hmm. why we're called pro-choice. Like, it's her decision. And her family's trying to butt in. Okay, she doesn't want to. That's her decision. I don't care what the family thinks. Um, But then, like, she throws this plate that has a burger on it in Cole's face, and then she gets up and leaves. And then Cole's like, yeah, so I want to do humanitarian work and missionary work. And then he kind of awkwardly leaves. But the thing that killed me about this scene was that, first of all, the dialogue is super, super awkward. And then when he's leaving, he picks up this big old bratwurst sausage and the bottom of a hamburger bun and puts it together <laughs> like it's a fucking hot dog. <laughs> it was like, what is this? And no mustard? What? You uncultured yeah. swine. What? <laughs> no I mustard put ketchup on, a on hot my dog? hot No. I only put ketchup on my hot dog monster what okay (laughs) um yeah no this was like another moment didn't they have like a lot of food too for this oh uh, yeah 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 there's way too much food here like every time they eat just imagine it's a table laden for food for a king and a medieval feast like (laughs) there's too much um so uh apparently six months passes and he his the trial comes up and Mike gets 20 years with parole in 10. Honestly, the most unrealistic part of this whole fucking movie. Yeah. Well, that's because Mike is a poor person. Um, if he was rich, like, say... Brock Turner, somebody, the rapist? Yeah, Brock Turner, the rapist. Then uh, he probably would have got, like, you know, three months. If that. Yep. 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 Just like Brock Turner, the rapist. Did you did you yeah. know that Brock Turner was a rapist? Just checking. Oh yeah, Brock Turner is a fucking rapist. Huh. See. Uh, <clears throat> yep. Piece of shit. Um. So yeah, that was mm-hmm. to me the most unrealistic part of this is he actually got convicted. But then again, she's the actual perfect victim that people look for. She was like this virginal young woman who was very Christian and very good and. She wasn't doing anything wrong, even though she was wearing a skirt, which is a thing that, you know, you get victim blamed for. Well, Gracie, don't you know that if you're wearing anything that shows off your knees, then you're a fucking whore. Obviously. Um, so he goes to prison and this is where the movie does a complete shift where the main focus is no longer Julie and her becoming a new mother. The majority of the focus from this point onward is about Mike. Mike the rapist, who was just drunk and didn't mean to do it. God, I know. It's it's 
fucking awful. Yeah. And, like, there's also this weird-ass fucking side plot that I I never actually understood because they would show, like, parts of, like, what was going on with the jail, right? Um, And, like, Mike ends up making, like, a jail friend. Uh, I forget. Oh, um, knock off... uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, knock off Morgan Freeman. Uh, what was his That's name? Such- what was his name? Fuck. Uh, uh, We're just going to call him Cecil. Yep, that yeah. was his name, Cecil. He's knock off overweight Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So, and, and like, I guess they were trying to go with a Shawshank Redemption thing. So. Yeah, like, he's, you know, a man with wisdom. And that's a weird trope that they included in this movie is old black man who's been through some shit. You know, and it's is the voice like, of reason. Do, do you think that that's kind of like, ma- uh, like a magical sort of uh, thing. It's very similar. Like, when when he came on scene and he was this person of wisdom who was, like, tough, but, you know, loving to, you know, like, a fatherly figure, I was wondering if he was going to be, like, God, you know, like, or a guardian angel or some shit. He's not. But, like, that's what I thought, because this is a Christian movie, right? So... I do wonder, though, like, what did Cecil do to get into jail? I don't know. He's he's a they lifer. never say. Like it's obvious he's been there a long time. He probably well, my sold first weed. Thing. He's a yeah, black man. That's it. it's a, it's that three strikes rule. Yeah, sure. Fuck. That's it. He was selling weed and got caught for distribution. It was his third offense, and you know, life in prison without parole. Shouldn't. Yep. Yeah. Fuck. <clears throat> um. Anyways, so. Yeah, they, he ends, like, Mike ends up going to fix cars or whatever, and Cecil's, like, the the guy in the... Yeah, they become friends. Yeah. And this is when you get to see Mike as a very sympathetic figure, which, if you're going to make a movie about a woman who's dealing with the aftermath of a rape, maybe don't make your, um, you know, rapist very sympathetic, like, the vibe I got from this was she ruined his life. Mm. No, he, he. You see what I'm he saying? He thought that. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, the vibe I got from it was he was blaming everybody, but, uh, and he was blaming her uh, for being in jail or whatever, right? Yeah. Um. So then... Then we kind of go back to, like, Julie and what's going on, and sh- there's, like, a part where, you know, she's, uh, like, been up all night with the baby. Serious right? postpartum. Yeah, and she's, like, crying, and, like, there's some serious postpartum shit going on, and then she, like, looks up, and it's, uh, like, a quote from the Bible on this, like, cross thing and it's like love is love is patient love is kind you know the same one they use in a walk to remember it's first corinthians 11 3 13 i think oh okay i don't remember the exact chapter but i know the verses are 11 through 13 love is patient love is kind love does not you know hate that kind of thing yeah and okay. then she's inspired and she makes a scrapbook with one of those photo albums that you'd put your old film canister, like when you took the film canister to get it developed and it took an hour and then they'd come back with the three by fives. Like yeah. it's that kind of photo album. Oh my God. Okay. So, uh, yeah, while watching this, I was like, oh, so the cure to postpartum is scrapbooking. Honestly, all she needed was the monogram towel. That's it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and again, this is, and then after she does this, she decides she's going to go visit Mike in prison, and she brings the baby with her. And the first time he sees her and the baby, he freaks the fuck out. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? You ruined my life. And she's like, yeah. I just wanted you to, you know, that I forgive you, and this is your son. And he's like, that's not my son. I didn't get you pregnant. You're a whore. Like, 
And then he you've leaves. had. Well, I don't even know how many guys you've been with, and it was like, um, yeah, dude, yikes, yeah, yeah, real fucked. I up. mean, like he's he's a fucked he he's a rapist. So I mean, like he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's like, you know, I forgive you, and like. The way the movie tracks this is, like, the only logical conclusion for her to be a better person and to feel better is to forgive him. Yeah. And I don't I don't like that. I don't like the message this movie is trying to send as far as, you know, like, you should forgive like that. Okay, the thing about forgiveness isn't that you are obligated to do so. And even if you forgive someone, that doesn't mean you forget what they did to you. You know? Like, forgiveness is a personal thing. You forgive someone because it might rest, like, the hatred that you feel towards them. But But you're allowed to hate people. I'm sorry. You are allowed to hate them. You are allowed to not like them. You are allowed to consider them toxic. And you don't have to forgive anyone if you don't want to. Yeah. You know, but the message yeah. this movie is sending is forgive your rapist and everything will be okay. Which, <clears throat> no, that's not. You're allowed to still have that healing within yourself and still hate that other person. I mean, I've talked about it before, you know, the stuff I went through. I know, Ajeline, yeah. last year we talked about. You know, during the Me Too movement, when it first started, yeah. like, she and I have both talked about personal stories that we have gone through. And mm-hmm. I haven't forgiven, you know, that particular person, you know? And I don't have to. Nope. And I feel very much the same way. So, it's like, like it's... You, you're not obligated, which is no, what I... No, I mean, like, I went... Because I went... Sorry... You're, you're fine to cut you off but like when i went to therapy i like mentioned you know that where i'm like i uh i hope you know bad things happen to this particular person right and uh and the therapist was like that's okay to like obviously don't do it yourself like so what they said uh what she said but she was just like you're allowed to feel like that that's it's okay valid. it's valid they did they did a horrible thing to you, and it's okay to be pissed off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> after she goes to visit him for the first time, he has this discussion with Cecil. And Cecil's like, you know, maybe, why would a girl that you raped be coming here to say that, you know, it's your baby? Like, what's her motivation? Like, you have no money, you're in prison, what's your motivation? And after he has the talk with Cecil, he realizes, oh, okay, maybe you're right. There's also this weird side plot that Stephen Baldwin is involved in, and he's like a neo-Nazi, and the neo-Nazis and the black, the the black guys are trying to, like, I don't know, drug deal, some product. They just call it product, so you don't know exactly what they're trying to sell, um, and then, like, the Mexican guys are involved. Also, the prisoner who was the Mexican guy in the Mexican gang. Yeah. He was hot. I know. <laughs> I said that to Grace, and she was like, uh, and I'm like, no. He's, like, hella hot. Because at first I thought you were talking about Mike, and I was like, what? No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, Ashley, honey. Uh-uh. <laughs> like, uh-uh. objectively as an actor, not the character. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, the character no, 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 can no, no. fucking die. I don't care. Um. Yeah, but, like, even the actor, I was like, mm. <laughs> no, no. The guy who was, like, the head... The head Mexican gang leader. Yeah. I which is there's a lot of like weird racism in this movie yeah. too. Like Yeah, and uh, Steven Baldwin yeah, plays a fucking neo Nazi, but like all the symbols are wrong. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was like neo Nazi light. Yeah, like he's but, got like, you eight, could tell he's got eight like, on have, his eyebrows. Or it has the two like their lightning bolts instead of S's. Yeah, um, it, it was really... And the Iron Cross is just a cross that's tattooed into the center of his chest. 
Yeah, and the, there was a, a guy who had a swastika, but it was, like, one of the other guys. Yeah, and, like, it looked like everything was done with a Sharpie. Like, it did. Someone just took a Sharpie and was like, here, Steven, sit still while I draw shit on you. I'm also 100% sure Stephen Baldwin <clears throat> did all of his all of his scenes in one day. Like... Oh, yeah. He's wearing the exact same thing every time. He looks exactly the same. And he didn't have but, like, 15 lines all together. Yeah, like, I, that's the thing. I was very surprised uh, after watching this movie and seeing, like, he was top build. Because, like, he's hardly in this movie. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's, like, that weird side plot. And then there's a part where, like, um, they... The the black uh the the black like prisoners. uh members yeah the the black prisoners say something like they call uh him cracker but then the racial sensitivity of it all yeah but like then he said they say something oh one of them call one of the white guys calls them like monkeys or something oh, yeah, right yeah, but yeah. then they call them out and they're like really you fucking gonna say that shit you cracker yeah and it was like what is going on with this movie like yeah, it was completely unnecessary like this whole movie is unnecessary but in the list of unnecessary things that one's pretty at the top <laughs> yeah it was like it was a really weird scene that like we didn't need no um, um but okay so julie keeps going back to the prison over and over again and finally mm-hmm. she breaks through to mike and mike gives mike a bible and like he comes to really love his kid and she forgives him and they form a friendship um her parents find out and they're not happy uh oh they kick her out of the house yeah they kick her out of the house um, and she ends up staying with a friend, but she still keeps going back and forth to him. And then, like, Cole ends up popping up, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I can help you, you know, get back with your parents. Like, I can help mend that. And Cole, God bless Cole. Like, Cole is actually a decent guy. Like, he doesn't judge Julie at all. Like, a lot of people, you know, who have been in Julie's situation, they get judged for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they get told it's their fault. Um Yeah. There is this one scene that we didn't really talk about. Like, the night that she gets kicked out of her parents' house, it's because her dad kept calling her son that little bastard. Yeah. Oh, that was bad. That was so bad. Like, they made the dad more scummy than the rapist in this movie. Yeah. It was awful, but, like, ugh. Like, that's your grandson? Yeah. You and that little bastard, get out of my house. Like, those were words he actually said to his daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. It was, it was bad. Yeah. Awful. Um, but anyway, she, you know, she's developing this relationship with Cole, who is actually a really nice person. Like, he's genuinely a good guy. You know, yeah. Um, and they're a good match. Like Julie is a very wholesome, sweet, you know, kind of shallow character. There's not a lot to her. She's, but she, you know, like they're a good fit. And he's willing to be, you know, a a father figure to her son. Um, so she ends up going back to the prison where Mike has, um, you know, like been dealing with all these issues with the gangs and stuff and Nazi Brendan Fraser's not happy and while Julie's visiting with her dad this time because they make up um Julie brings her dad in to confront Mike and while this is happening uh Cecil ends up getting killed by Nazi Brendan Fraser in the bathroom Oh, yeah, he goes for a piss, and then he gets killed. Yeah, what a way to die, man. That's some fucked up shit. Like, he gets choked to death with a towel. Yep, he does. So, uh, yeah, it was was a long process. It takes, like, eight minutes to kill someone through suffocation. So. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
And the only reason I know that is because I listened to last podcast on the left. Amazing what you can learn about crime listening to crime podcasts. Uh, well, we are 30-year-old women, so yes. of course we we, we got all our training from Forensic Files as, as children. Yep. Because <laughs> it's all my mom watched on a uh, Sunday afternoon while folding laundry. That and Court TV. Oh, man, I remember Court TV. Ooh. It was like CNN, except court cases. Um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, they have this discussion, and then he comes back, and hot Mexican gang leader is like, yeah, they killed Cecil. And then, you know, they're going to try and kill Julian, your baby. So, I don't know exactly what leads him to do this, but he ends up writing Julia a letter, and then... He goes to Stephen Baldwin's character because, like, there had been a massive fight where one of Stephen Baldwin's neo-Nazis had died. And then yeah, the neo-Nazis killed Cecil, but still there's a blood debt to be paid, I guess. And in order to save his, um, in, in order to save Julie and his son, he sacrifices himself. Like, he ends up getting shanked in the fucking mechanic shop and I still don't understand why. Well, yeah, because Ty or, like, uh, Nazi Brendan Fraser gets killed, but he gets killed by his own guys or something, yeah. and then uh, yeah, and then Mike gets killed, and then he's cool, just, like, on the ground. Religion, and he's going to have yeah. it now. And I just, like, remember being, like, really confused by this moment, because I was like, what the fuck's even going on? But, like, I I didn't give a fuck enough to, you know, know. Yeah, and then the movie ends with Julie reading a letter that, like, if you're reading this, I'm already gone. Like, I had to save my son. I had to save you and my son, that kind of thing. And it was just weird, you know? Like, the entire focus through two-thirds of the movie, isn't even about Julie. She's essentially a prop, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she is used... Like, when we go into the test, I'm going to tell you right now, does not pass the Mac Omori test because her entire purpose is to help Mike become a better person. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have any character growth. She's pretty much the same from the beginning of the movie to the end of it. Like, she doesn't really change. You know? Yeah. Whereas Mike, you see, go from this angry, um, drunk who rapes someone to a sympathetic character who ends up, um, you know, sacrificing himself. Sacrificing himself. To save her and the baby. This movie's garbage. It's honest to God garbage. And, like, one of the things I remember is when... She goes to offer him the Bible the first time, and he's like, I can't walk around in here with that. Dude, the Bible's, like, the number one thing you read in prison. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, that's... That was so fucking weird, too. It was like... But everybody reads the Bible in in prison. Like, do you know how many freaking people become born-again Christians in prison? Like... Fucking prison's a breeding ground for religion. Yeah, I mean, for example, my uh, great uncle, uh, Pop McCormick, who, um, if you know anything about the Pee Wee Gaskin serial killings, uh, he helped to murder um, a guy called Tyner because uh, Tyner had, you know, uh, killed some of our family or some shit like that. Okay, he's in Pee Wee Gaskin's book, The Final Truth, and he's known as Pop McCormick, okay? He had been in prison, like, for life. And he ended up getting his sentence commuted after, like, 20 years. And he became a preacher. Like, he found religion while he was in prison and then became a preacher to prisoners. And was an evangelical leader until the day he died about 10 years ago. So, it's like, people find religion all the time. All the time in prison. Because it's really all you have going for. Because prison is a horrific experience that dehumanizes you. So the only way to deal with that dehumanization is to find a purpose. And usually that purpose is Christianity. Now, there are definitely people who deserve to be in prison for doing horrible things. But in America, we have 25% of the world's prison population. 
And the majority of the people who are in prison are in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. This is stuff we talked about when we did the 13th. Yeah. You know? And it's just, like, such a disproportionate number of people are in prison for selling a couple of pills or something. You know? It's just crazy. And, you, you know, and when you get dehumanized and criminalized for doing something that shouldn't land you in prison for 10 and 15 and 20 years like it's just nuts and just yeah. there's a lot to unpack with this movie and I just that's one of them and the other thing is um don't make a movie where you make your rapist sympathetic character I'm sorry exactly I'm sorry I don't I don't agree with that yes people who rape others um they're human. They have flaws. There's good things about them. But I don't know. Personally, as a survivor, I don't want to see that shit. You know? No. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to see it. Uh, no. Nope. I, I don't want them to be considered sympathetic. Because it's bad enough that they get away with that shit anyway. Like, m- one out of every ten rapes that are actually... Uh, you know, reported end up in a conviction. I think it's actually less than that. Most most don't end in convictions, you know, or if they do end in convictions, unless the guy is a poor person, uh, or unless the guy, yeah, like, unless he's poor or he's a person of color, like, there's no justice. Yeah. So, fuck this movie. Like, not a fan. Um, and I don't feel like going through any of the tests because I don't think it passed any of them. Well, probably the Bechdel test because mm. her and her mom talked, right? Yeah, but about her dad and the, oh. her son. Okay, well then. Yeah, so it doesn't pass any of the tests. It's not feminist. It's a very bad message. Not as bad as it could have been granted. Because when I walked into this, I was pretty sure this was going to go in a completely different direction. But it was... Oh, yeah. It was still enough of a direction that I was not okay with it at all. Like, this... Um, mm. yeah. Um, (laughs) so there are no trivia, but I wanted to... Do some Stephen uh, Baldwin trivia Go for because, it. <laughs> sure, why not? And then I'll read some reviews, and then we'll let it go. Um, so we already mentioned that you know one of his daughters is Haley Baldwin, who is you know very well known because she is married to Justin uh, Bieber, um, and she also currently lives in Waterloo, Ontario, which is an awful place. So, poor dear. Uh, anyways, but uh, another thing is. Apparently, Stephen Baldwin has a tattoo on his left shoulder with the initials HM for Hannah Montana. He got the tattoo after making a pact with Miley Cyrus and Kayla Bell uh, that he would be allowed to cameo on the show if he had the initials tattooed on him. He revealed the tattoo to Cyrus at a book signing in Nashville in 2008 but he was never given the opportunity to appear on the show and has since said that he regretted getting the tattoo. I don't have any words for that. Yep. So that's... I have no words. There is nothing coming to my head. Like, what? <laughs> that's uh, <yep>. fucking nuts. <laughs> Um, so he was also on Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, he was the first person to enter the house, uh, in 2010, and the theme of the series was hell, and there was a devil head on the front door, and he frequently taunted the head, saying, you're a loser. Uh, during his stay in the house, he frequently read passages from the Bible to his fellow housemates. He failed to win many fans and was evicted, um, and he became the fourth housemate to be evicted. In a three-way vote against uh, Ivana Trump and Cisco, he received 50% of the public vote, and after his eviction... 
Uh, he went on to his website. Uh, oh, he there was a website called RestoreStephenBaldwin.org, unsolicited by him, uh, began uh, soliciting cash donations to improve his career. Jesus Christ. Wow, he's a piece of scum. <laughs> uh, but that's not it. No. That's not the only thing. Uh, in 2010, December, he filed uh, a lawsuit, um, a $308.0 million lawsuit against Kevin Cosner over oil separating technology that was used to help solve the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. In June of 2012, uh, a jury sided with Cosner uh, Costner and awarded um, Baldwin no damages. Uh, in two th- March of 2013, he pled guilty to failing to file income taxes for 2008, 2009, 2010, and stated that he never intended to pay uh, pay taxes and he received bad advice from lawyers and accountants and he agreed to pay a bunch of money uh, within the year, uh, but was sentenced to five years probation and has five years to pay the money. Jesus Christ. So. Our lead actor, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Um, I do want to mention, um, you know, we couldn't really find any trivia. So uh, typically when that happens, it doesn't happen often. We just rely on reviews. And I think this one review kind of sums it up perfectly. Um, It's by Devin C. on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, They go, if I might add my two cents, no one with a civilized sense of morality should find this movie good or inspiring. Forget the deplorable pro-rape undertones, but the acting is subpar, the symbolism is beyond obvious, and the dilemma is so simple it begs the question, do the screenwriters honestly think their audience is this stupid? Or the worst part of the movie, I'd like to say this. Yes, forgiveness is a virtue, and you might want to practice it in your life. The problem here lies in the fact that, as presented, the decision to forgive a rapist is the obvious choice and one you shouldn't think twice about. I personally know several people who have been the victims of rape and never has forgiveness ever entered their mind. This isn't something you can just wish away or talk through. The trauma that accompanies rape is crippling, and this movie makes a mockery of it. In a moral sense, I think that may be the most barbaric movie I've ever seen. No one with a shred of dignity should ever admit they enjoyed the film or its central message that rape is okay because she'll forgive you and you get a kid out of it. Summary, terrible acting, bad cinematography, and the single worst message I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, yeah. It, it pretty much sums up my thoughts on it. Like... Rape is okay, she'll forgive you, and you get a kid. Yeah, this movie, by the way, like, there's a bunch of people on Rotten Tomatoes that gave it, like, five stars. I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) I I don't get it, but. Well, because only true believers will like this movie. Don't tell me that shit. Um... (laughs) <laughs> so, next week, we're going to be doing something that's a little lighter in tone. We're going to be doing uh, God's Not Dead 2, which is a straw man argument about a teacher saying the word Jesus in a classroom and it's somehow ending up on the Supreme Court. I've never seen it before, but that's the general idea. So, that's going to be But didn't you know, Gracie, that there is a war on Christmas <laughs> There's a war on Christians in America, even though they yep. are the predominant religion. But mm-hmm. what do I know? Um, so, yeah, we're going to be doing God's Not Dead. Um, and then the week after that, we're going to be doing Fireproof. Fireproof, yes. With our special guest, yes. hopefully. Hopefully. We're not going to announce until we know for sure. Um but, and then after that, we're going to do a Halloween special bonus episode, though I think it's not technically a bonus because there are five Tuesdays in October, so. Uh, last Tuesday of the month, we're going to be doing a Halloween movie. And then November is going to be our Furiosa, te- Furiosa test highlights, so be looking forward to that. We're actually going to be doing a movie that's coming into theaters. 
Yeah, that's going to be weird. Yeah, like, normally we don't do that, but we're doing a brand new movie that's just come out. We're going to um, re- probably review it uh, opening weekend, so we'll see. Uh, and I think that's it. Any housekeeping yep. for you, Ajeline? Um, well. No. I don't know. I like stuff. <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> Well, we're going to let you guys go. We will see you next week. uh, And I hope you have a fantastic time. Bye. Bye. Bye.